Digging deeper into the day's top stories, you're listening to Jeff Andreas on 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Hello and welcome into the Jeff Andreas Show here on Thursday, October 10th. And of course, as always, thank you so much for tuning in. Always a pleasure to have you joining me. On today's show, I will be talking about cannabis. Yes, it has been almost one year since it was legalized here in Canada. The date was October 17th, 2018. So we're exactly one week away from that anniversary. Over the course of that time, some people's attitudes towards the plant I am certain have changed over those 12 months. Well, Zucasa, a full-service real estate team, has conducted an online poll of over 1,300 Canadians between uh, the course of over the course of 13 days last month, looking at how people feel about the following. So. I looked at these three things, the consumption and cultivation of cannabis in private residences, living in close proximity to where cannabis is sold, awareness of landlords, renters, and condo dwellers of their rights, and the rules that govern cannabis usage in their homes. So I looked at those three things. So what did Zucasa discover about the attitudes people have towards those issues when it comes to cannabis? Well, I'll be joined by its managing editor in about 10 minutes' time, so stay tuned for that. In the back half of the show... There's a bit of a wintry theme that I have planned. So to start off the second half, I'll be joined by the Deputy CEO and Director of Pharmacy Practice Support with the BC Pharmacy Association to talk about flu shots. Yes, we're at uh, at that time of year. We actually had a flu shot clinic just yesterday, so I thought it would make for a timely discussion about why people should go about getting one and maybe just take a brief look into what we can expect from the virus here this year. And then to end off today's show, I will be joined by the marketing director of Sun Peaks Resort to talk about their plans for the upcoming ski season, as well as get an update on some of the construction projects that they have been working on over the last little while. But to begin today's show, I just wanted to bring up something that is near and dear to me, and that is my hair. I'm losing it, people. I'm getting older, and it's thinning out, and I don't like it. I have been on the Rogaine now since the beginning of this year, and I'm not convinced that it's actually working, but I've been taking those, you know, monthly top view pictures to see if it is, in fact, growing my hair back, and I like to deceive myself into thinking it is making a difference, but at the end of the day, at the end of the day honestly, I just, I just don't really know. One day I'll make one of those stupid montage videos that people take, you know, where they post a picture every day for a year uh, into a video form, and they post it online to show how they change from day to day to day. Uh, maybe I'll do that, except the... Uh, only problem is I've been doing it once a month, taking those pictures, so either it's uh, the worst video that people will have ever seen, or maybe I am just a long ways away from actually putting that video together. I'm not sure, but something I'm uh, considering, I'll say that. Anyway, uh, the reason I wanted to talk about my hair and hair loss in general is the fact that it is slow to be disappearing, and I read an article yesterday in the Globe and Mail that maybe says it's not my fault. Maybe it's not my parents' fault. Maybe it's not genetics. Maybe it's something else. Yes, a study found that fine particulate matter emitted by cars damaged the skin that holds hair follicles in place. A series of laboratory tests on human cells showed levels of the crucial proteins needed for hair to grow and to be retained decreased the more they were exposed to pollution particles. While there is a growing body of evidence to show how these tiny particles can damage internal health, including by entering the bloodstream through the lungs, it is the first study of its kind to demonstrate such a risk to the surface of the body. Researchers said exercising indoors rather than in polluted cities could be a way to reduce hair loss. I don't know why uh, exercise came up 
with this study, but that's just one of the recommendations that was made as a result. So you're telling me that I'm losing my hair just because I'm outside? I mean, if I didn't spend enough time indoors already, that certainly isn't going to change now as a result of this study. You would think fresh air was good for you. Apparently, it's not. At least not for your hair. A study was conducted by exposing, um, it's not the scientific term here, but human hair cells to various concentrations of things like dust and diesel. After one full day, a process was performed to detect the levels of specific proteins in the cells. The results showed that the presence of these particles that can be found in the world's air did decrease the level of protein responsible for hair growth. Not good. Not good. The study was led by a scientist out of the Future Science Research Center in South Korea, and he said, quote, While the link between air pollution and serious diseases is well established, there is little to no research on the effect of a particulate matter exposure on the human skin and hair in particular. His research shows that the most common air pollutants do, in fact, lead to hair loss. So there you go. Parents out there whose kids are blaming you for their hair loss, you can tell them to do what they seem to do for everything else. And I guess they don't blame the environment for the fact that the environment's falling apart. It's not the environment's fault. It's the government's fault. So it's the government's fault that our environment's deteriorating. So it's our government's fault that I'm losing my hair. There you go. You learn something new every day, don't you? I'm still actually going to blame my dad, though. I'm pretty sure it's hereditary. Uh, when it comes to my own personal experience with hair loss, it's, uh, it's his fault. But I will say I'm also going to blame the government. It's their fault, too. It's always the government's fault. Oh, what else is going on in the world? That's enough about that. The Vancouver Canucks named the new captain last night. Bo Horvat, not surprisingly, was named the 14th captain in the franchise's history. And, uh, you know, now that the team knows who their leader is, apparently they were able to score a few goals for him. Yeah, the Canucks won their first game of the season last night, winning their home opener 8-2 over the LA Kings. Seven different people scored goals in that game, so the offense was uh, nice and spread out, and they were obviously sparked a little bit by uh, having a man with a C on his jersey in the lineup. Another sports news yesterday in baseball playoff action. Not a good day to be an Atlanta Braves fan. They lost the winner-take-all Game 5 matchup with the Cardinals, and it wasn't even close. Nats were up 10-0 before the top of the first inning was over. Could you imagine being a fan who had tickets to that game and you perhaps weren't able to make the first pitch, but you scrambled from work or wherever you were to get to the stadium, you find your seat, and by the time you're actually able to get your own butt in your own seat, the game's basically over? I mean, that's devastating. You put a bunch of money out to buy tickets to an event... To go see, you know, what you hope is a very exciting time where you can celebrate the fact that you might be moving on in the playoffs and going on to the next round. And by the time you actually get there, your team is basically already lost. I'm not sure what's worse. Would you rather see your team lose before the game even starts? Or would you rather a great, entertaining game where your team loses in heartbreaking fashion in, like, extra innings or overtime? I think... From a mental state of being able to recover from what happened, a blowout is easier to digest. You know, you just sort of accept the fact the deeper and deeper you get into the game, you're just like, yeah, whatever. It's, it is what it is. I'm going to stay and watch. But, you know, you don't really have any hope of a comeback. 
Um, I think I think that's better. A nail biting end to the season is not only heartbreaking, but it's just something that you think about for days and weeks and months. If you're a fanatic of a team like myself, you just think about those close games and you remember how close you were, and then maybe you see the team that you lost to end up going all the way to like the Stanley Cup final, and all you think is, man, my team could have been there had we just won that stupid game seven. And not only has that happened once to me in 2013, but it also happened again in 2019. Man, I hate Boston. Not the city. Just the teams. I think that's definitely one thing that Canucks and Leafs fans can share, and that is a hatred for the Bruins. I know it's been eight years for Vancouver, but we all remember how fans reacted after that Game 7 loss, and I am certain that there are some fans out there who aren't over it yet. So, there you go. Me being a Leaf fan, you guys being Canucks fans out there, I'm sure there's a bunch of you. We have something in common. And we're in different conferences, so I have nothing against Vancouver. I'll cheer for them all day. Happy to see them get a new captain. Uh, happy to see them get a big win, even if it is over the lowly LA Kings. A win's a win's a win. Take the two points. Move on to the next game. And speaking of playoffs, uh, I'm not sure how I really got onto hockey when I was talking baseball, but there is one more divisional series to be decided, and that goes today in Houston as the Astros take on the Tampa Bay Rays. So it should be another exciting day for baseball fans. All right, that's enough about sports. Let's move on to some other stuff. Coming up after the break, how do homeowners and renters feel about cannabis? Well, I'll be talking more about that after this. Radio NL, 610 AM and RadioNL.com. The voice of your community. Radio NL, 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Here's Jeff Andreas. Welcome back to the Jeff Andrea Show here on this Thursday. We are just seven days shy of the anniversary of when cannabis was legalized here in Canada. How have people's perceptions of marijuana changed over that time? Well, Zucasa, a full-service real estate team, has conducted a study to find out how Canadian attitudes have changed towards cannabis usage and cultivation in the home since it was granted its legal status. Here to talk about that study is Zucasa's managing editor, Penelope Graham. Penelope, thanks so much for joining me today. Hi, good morning. Uh, so it looks like Canadians are warming up a little bit to the idea of having, a, you know, at least a dispensary nearby to where they live. Uh, a total of 43 respondents agreed they would be comfortable with such a business operating in proximity to their home. So I guess how has that changed over the course of the last 12 months? Yeah, so when cannabis was legalized last year, there was a lot of uncertainty, particularly within the real estate industry, about what it was going to mean for home buyers and sellers, homeowners, as well as landlords and tenants. And a big concern was, even though the drug was becoming legal, would there still be a stigma around it? So, for example, if there was a dispensary opening up in a neighborhood, would that harm home values? Um, if you had grown even the legal amount of plants within your home, could that potentially be a turnoff for home buyers if you were trying to sell it? Uh, so you are correct. We polled people this year, and we saw that their perceptions and their views are starting to relax a little in some regards, although not all. Um, dispensaries was one of the positive areas. Uh, so we found that um, uh, you know, a greater number of people would be comfortable, 43% said that they'd be comfortable with a dispensary opening up in their neighborhood, and that is up from 31% last year, so certainly a positive development there. Um, as well, if you're a millennial, you are less likely to care about the presence of such a business in your neighborhood, so only 24% said that that would concern them, uh, and that's compared to 38% of older generations. Yeah, it's not a big surprise to me that uh, younger people are more comfortable with uh, a cannabis dispensary being nearby. 
by. Um, I'm also not surprised by this, but uh, your data also indicates that those who rent are more likely to approve of a nearby dispensary. I guess, uh, you know, can you can you break down at all what the numbers were in ten, terms of tenants and how comfortable they are? Yeah, so tenants were considerably more comfortable uh, with the idea of a dispensary being in their neighborhood, although homeowners were not significantly more concerned. Um, so we found 56% of renters said that they'd be comfortable with it versus 36% of homeowners. Um, and, and obviously that's coming down to perhaps they feel they have less skin in the game if they're not owning real estate in the neighborhood. But overall, we are seeing a more positive perception. And one thing, I mean, it's not really a surprise here, but a lot of homeowners, of course, are always worried about the value of their home and what, what happens, um, you know, as, as kind of rules and regulations change and, and things enter their neighborhood that are new and different. People are always concerned about what that means to the value of their home. And so obviously one thing that we just talked about was uh, uh, property values of having a, a pot store nearby. There is some mm-hmm. concern among homeowners about that as well. But of course, one of the big ones is uh, smoking indoors is a big concern for people. Um, so, I mean, obviously people People are aware they can't smoke cigarettes inside or shouldn't, but mm-hmm. pot, I mean, there is some people out there who feel there's nothing wrong with pot in the household. I guess, what are some of the data you collected there in terms of smoking inside? Um, not a ton of surprises, uh, in my opinion, but can you kind of break down just how people feel about the fact that, you know, marijuana may be smoked indoors? Yeah, so when it comes to smoking, the majority of respondents still say it's a big turnoff, legal or not. Uh, so 61% said that if there was evidence that there had been cannabis smoked inside the home, that that would devalue the home. Um, however, another big finding uh, where we're seeing people feel a little bit more relaxed was in regards to the legal amount of plants being grown within the home. Um, so last year, when we asked people, would you be dissuaded from purchasing a home if even a legal amount of pot had been grown there, over half said that they would. Um, This year, that fell down to 48%, so it's still high, but we are seeing some improvement there. Um, Once again, if you're a millennial, you're far less likely to be worried about it. So only 38% said that they'd be concerned, uh, compared to 53% of Gen Xers and boomers who said they would pass on a home if even a legal amount of cannabis had been grown there. Um, When you guys were collecting all of this data, I mean, Obviously, we're just probably asking mainly yes or no questions for the most part, but did you receive any explanation? Was there like maybe a write-in portion to any of this where people could kind of state why they are so concerned about some of these things? Did you have any chance to maybe look at that at all, or is this strictly just a, a yes, no, I am concerned or not concerned kind of study? Yeah, so the results were collected mainly on a yes or no or picking a numbered scale. Um, we didn't have any where they could send in a subjective write-in answer. Um, but the way that we did break it down, we wanted to see what the difference was between generally homeowners and renters, as well as the age breakdown too, because obviously these attitudes can vary quite a bit by generation. Um, I'm joined with uh, Penelope Graham with the Zucasa. So just talking about um, the difference between landlords and tenants as well, because I wanted to get into this a little bit, because this kind of, I don't know if it should surprise me, but it did a little bit. So I think it was about mm-hmm. 43% of landlords knew what rules they could enforce around pot use, whereas 53% of tenants were aware of, you know, kind of what the rules for them in terms of pot use, what they were allowed to do around their home. Um, were you surprised by that at all with the fact that landlords seemed less aware of the rules than the tenants were? We did find it interesting, um, you know, that tenants do seem to be a little bit more knowledgeable. Um, however, I think this comes down to the fact that rental markets are very tight across the, the nation. And so, you know, tenants really need to be aware of what they can and can't do. Uh, they, they really want to ensure that they're not putting, um, you know, their home or their tenancy at risk. 
um, you know, one thing that we did find surprising was that landlords in general still feel overwhelmingly negative about legal cannabis. Um, by far, this was the most negative set of data that we received. So a total of 85% of landlords said that they would strongly prefer that their tenant not consume cannabis or intend to grow it. Um, 57% of them said that they were increasingly concerned about damage to their home now that cannabis had been legal. And 55% of them said that they would consider charging future tenants a higher rent to offset these perceived costs as a result. Um, you know, so we think that that has some pretty strong implications for tenants and that they should be aware, uh, you know, of how, how landlords feel about uh, legal cannabis and, and what those risks might be for them. Um, you know, being with Zucasa and, and you sort of dealing, I would assume, a little bit with uh, some people who might be looking for property and that they might be looking to rent out. Um, do you have a lot of people that are coming, you know, if they are looking to have a rental property? Um, are they asking a lot of questions about cannabis in this kind of, um, you know, environment that they've seen over the past year and how things have changed? Are there a lot of people maybe unaware of things that are trying to become more familiar as they enter the rental market? Mm-hmm. Well, certainly in the year that this has become legalized, people just want to be clear on what the rights are for everyone. Uh, landlords want to know, you know, what can I enforce? What can't I enforce? What am I within my rights to enforce? It really comes down to the lease. So, and this will de- depend on the province you're in because there are different uh, lease formats per province. But on a general scale, if you have a tenant who has been locked into a lease since before legalization, and that lease allowed them to smoke cigarettes, generally under the law, they can also smoke cannabis if it's, you know, smoking in general is allowed. However, under brand new leases, landlords are certainly within their rights to specify that the home be non-smoking in general, uh, so they can ban smoking cannabis and cigarettes within their units. Um, They can also point out that they don't want uh, cannabis grown within their units, um, because there's a lot of uh, complications, especially in regards to home insurance, if you want to grow at home. Um, And this extends beyond, you know, tenancy issues as well. If you're a homeowner and you want to grow on your own property, um, with the exception of Manitoba and Quebec, you're within your rights to do that. However, just because it's now a legal activity, your home insurer may still view it as a high-risk one, and they may not want to cover it, um, you know, if there is related fire or flood or or even theft. Um, So it's really important that if you're a landlord or if you're a homeowner and you're intending to do this, you let your home insurer know, um, and you make sure that whatever home policy you've got is going to cover you. Um, The onus is still very much on the homeowner to do that step. Uh, well, Penelope, definitely some interesting stats there and, uh, you know, definitely some interesting stuff to break down. So thank you so much for coming on the program today and explaining some of it. I, I really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, my pleasure. Awesome. That was Penelope Graham, Managing Editor at Zucasa. Coming up after the break, it's that time of year when people are starting to think about getting their flu shot. I'll be chatting more about that with the BC Pharmacy Association after this. Your opinion. Call or text 250-374-5345. Find us on Facebook or on Twitter at Radio NL News. This is Jeff Andreas on RadioNL.com. Hello and welcome back into the Jeff Andreas Show here on Thursday, October 10th. A little bit of a switch here in the program. Going to have the flu shot stuff up later in the hour. Hopefully that's going to come together. Just a bit of a change here. So it is the middle of October and we are seeing some pretty cold weather here in the Kamloops area in the city itself. We've already seen overnight lows dropping below freezing. Uh, It was minus four when I woke up this morning and I'm not ready for that, but... 
I guess we'll just have to get used to it. And uh, when the weather gets colder, of course, one thing we always start to think about is ski season. And I'm joined now by the marketing director at Sun Peaks Resort, Aiden Kelly. Aiden, thanks so much for coming on the show today. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Yeah, I'm pretty, uh, pretty good. I'm looking out the window at a nice pretty blue sky and a little bit of snow. So, uh, yeah, early October, we uh, like to see that. So I'm good. Perfect. Uh, maybe just before we get into winter, I thought maybe we would take a quick look back at kind of how things went over the summer. Um, you know, just sort of what, do you have an overall sense of just sort of how things went at some peaks over the course of those summer months when you're looking at, uh, you know, some of the activity you had up there? Uh, it went quite well, actually. Um, a big focus for us this summer was related to mountain biking. We put a lot of effort into our product on the mountain and rounding things out a little bit more and making it a bit more accessible for riders of all types and then taking that message out to the marketplace. And it worked really, really well. So we had our, our busiest mountain bike season by like a country mile um, this year. So it was really, really good in that regard. Um, all the other activity was pretty strong. Our, our major events went off well. Um, traffic flow was pretty good through the village, um, kind of from from start to finish. It was it was hurt a little bit. It was a bit of a weird um, bit of a weird weather pattern this summer with a lot more um, rain than we would be used to. Which on the one hand is amazing because we didn't have to deal with forest fires and smoke this year. So I'll take the rain every day if we can avoid that. Um, but that impacts a few things like the like the golf course and some hiking and some of the other outdoor recreation that, that we have up here but uh, for mountain biking a little bit of rain is actually great because it keeps the, the dust down on the trails and, and everything so the feedback that we got was um, super super strong on the mountain bike side and we really look forward to carrying that momentum through to, to next summer as well it should be really exciting yeah, I believe it was uh, in March, I believe you were here on, on NL, and um, you had mentioned something about investing about $350,000 into uh, mountain biking in Sun Peaks. So do you think that was a big reason for that kind of record year when it comes to the, the biking scene at Sun Peaks? Yeah, it absolutely was. We were able to kind of fill that gap in, in terms of our product. We've always been known as a really uh, sort of rough and rowdy mountain bike destination for the super advanced rider, but we were missing kind of that lower intermediate level um, type trails and, and terrain, and uh, we built a bunch of stuff this year and uh you know the whole adage of build it and they will come was uh, was very true because people came in droves and uh the feedback that we got from the new trails that we were built with our third-party partners um was was amazing so uh, we're already looking at okay how do we how do we maintain that and uh, and do even better um next next summer and we've already you know had people emailing and calling and asking you know what date we open next summer and when does the bike park run to and those are the kind of questions that you know you would never you would never see in previous years right people are already thinking about next summer and biking here at sun peaks because of how well it went um this previous one how, how significant is that for you guys then like just in terms of a tourism perspective just to see that kind of increase when it comes to the biking scene does that have a a huge impact on just the the number of people that are heading up there i mean obviously people are heading up there for other reasons as well but just you know that specifically with that specific tourism industry looking at mountain biking i guess just i mean has that really boosted the numbers of people heading up there just in general it does. I mean, when you're looking in relation to the numbers from the winter, it's still it's still quite a small number compared to what we'd see from from ski traffic. But it's climbing, um, it's climbing significantly. And and with what you see, you know, all across um, Western Canada over the last 
four to five years, like that, that whole mountain bike scene has just, just exploded, right? It's gone from a bit more of a niche segment to um, a very kind of mainstream activity. So there's a lot of market opportunity in terms of bringing people through for that. So it's still, you know, we had massive growth this year. It was really positive, but it's still a smaller piece of our business. But I think over the next couple of years, you're going to see it get more attention, more traffic, and it's going to turn into something that's, uh, that's much more significant than, uh, than it has been in, in the past. And I think a number of places, not just us at Sun Peaks, a number of places, whether it's ski resorts or whether it's just communities in general, they're seeing the exact same thing with, with mountain biking. And it's a big part of the, uh, of the provincial economy now in British Columbia. Um, how, how big is that for you and like just the people that are working out at Sun Peaks just to have more of a year-round tourism scene as a result of that? Uh, you know, does it just help keep you a little bit busier? Oh, yeah, it's super important. I mean, you know, back in the day, mountain biking was sort of viewed as something that, you know, you would kind of try to maybe keep the lights on over the summer months and, and, and keep a few of the year-round employees going and, and paychecks coming. Um, but it never really, you know, covered the bases or paid for itself that well. But now it's turned into a viable opportunity, and, and you see the impact for, for us at the mountain in terms of our operations. It's been great, and then that has spillover into the hotels and the accommodators and then the restaurants and the retail stores and um, just that little bit more business to give it a bit more of that vibe and, uh, and busyness um, throughout the, the, the summer months that uh, help kind of offset um, some of the quieter time that we would typically see because we're, you know, we're reverse from a majority of tourism entities in, in, in British Columbia where they're very, very busy in the, in the summer and they're all sitting around, you know, trying to strategize how do we get anyone to visit here in the wintertime and, and we're the polar opposite, right? So we, we focus on the, on the summer now to offset our, our already busy winter season and it's working quite well and we're going to keep our foot on the gas and keep going. Um, how, how long is it typically when you're looking at like the gaps between, um, you know, things like mountain biking and skiing, um, like how, how many months do you have to take off or is it weeks or is there a long period of time, I guess, between when people start or end skiing and start mountain biking or the, or the reverse of that? Is there like a, a big gap where you're kind of looking for some, maybe something else to fill that void or, or is it a, yeah. you know, a pretty rapid transition? Um, not necessarily rapid. The spring would be a longer transition than the, than the fall. Um, I think in the, in the springtime you're looking at, uh, depends on the activity, if you're looking at golf or mountain biking or whatever, but you're looking anywhere from like a two to three months. Um, transition before you can ramp up to full summer activities and that's mostly weather related you know it takes quite a while for the snow to melt in the mountains and the trails to to dry out and get everything prepped and, and going um, and then in the fall it's it's a little bit shorter because you're running kind of through the end of September start of October and then uh, you know we'll have a good vibe up here this weekend for Thanksgiving with a bunch of activities going on and our annual turkey sale and all of that type of stuff and then you really only have about another month or so until you kick off for the winter so the shoulder season in the fall is a bit shorter than the shoulder season in the springtime and that's definitely a focus for us because you need to fill those gaps on some level um, in order to be considered kind of that true year-round type destination um, some of our hotel properties like the Sun Peaks Grand has done a fantastic job of, of, of doing that a little bit because we're a, we're a tremendous destination for you know conferences seminars um, training courses all of those kind of things and they work really really well in uh, in the shoulder seasons and uh, the guests that are coming in and booking those types
types of events. They really enjoy it here at Sun Peaks because they kind of can take over the destination a little bit because there's not a whole lot else going on, and they can tailor-make their itineraries and agendas and all of those type of things. So we focus a lot on that in the shoulder season when the core activities like hiking, biking, golf, and or ski in the winter uh, aren't going. So those seasons have been shrinking, but they're definitely still on the radar for us. Uh, here with Aiden Kelly with Sun Peaks Resort. So maybe just before we take a full-on look at winter here, just uh, you had talked a little bit about what's going on for the uh, Thanksgiving long weekend. You want to provide maybe a little more details about what the plans are here this uh, upcoming three-day long weekend? Yeah, I mean, for us, we focus a lot on uh, on our uh, annual turkey sale. So this is kind of typical at a lot of ski destinations through North America where there's either some leftover stock from the previous year or some buyouts for some brands or some things that slipped through the cracks and didn't sell or some new stuff that's coming in that people are excited about. And um, and there's big, yeah, there's big retail sales that, that flow throughout the weekend. So for us, it starts on, uh, on Saturday morning at the mountain and we have our, our big turkey sale and we hold that in the annex and pretty much everything in there is 40 to 70 percent off so we see a lot of people come up to the resort for that uh, and and it flows through the village as well to some of the other businesses and they put on big sales so it's a, it's a good opportunity for people to stock up for winter whether you just need a, a a new warm pair of gloves or whether you need a full new ski setup or, or whatever it is so that's good and then a lot of people like to come up because the fall the fall colors are really beautiful right so you can go on a couple of hikes we have sort of a new a new um sort of hiking trail that goes up mount morris that uh, that people can take in. So we see a lot of people just, uh, they like this time of year because it's really fresh and crisp and clear outside in the mountains and um, just getting out for a few a few more adventures before the snow really flies. Perfect. So now that, uh, you know, we kind of got through all of that, looking ahead here, you had mentioned off the top, you have seen some snow coming down outside your window. So uh, just what are, what are conditions looking like right now? Are they sort of on track for you guys to maybe have an, an earlier start to the ski season? Because it feels like it's a little bit colder than normal for uh, this time of year. Yeah, it is. I mean, this isn't our first rodeo, so we so we know that um, there there typically is what we like to call like false winter, which will show up normally a little a little earlier, and we'll get a little bit of snow and some cold temps. Uh, we're definitely seeing that earlier than normal this year. Like, uh, it's not unusual for us to have snow at this time of year, but it's also not normal. Um, and the temperatures are quite uh, are quite cool, as you noted down in Kamloops this morning. It's it's quite cool, and up here it's obviously even cooler and the mountains so we have seen a bit of snow um, at higher elevations a little bit more and those temps are consistently cool so I think we'll see a little bit of a warming trend next week probably and uh, and then probably settle into kind of some seasonal temperatures as, as we flow forward um, the long-term forecast for the winter is super positive so that's good for us because you know avid skiers will remember that uh, it wasn't the world's greatest finish weather-wise last winter, so I think we're due for a pretty good rebound, and things are looking really, really good as we shape up for kind of our mid-November opening. Perfect. Well, I know a lot of people are definitely looking forward to ski season. It's uh, my first uh, winter here in the province of BC, so I'm definitely looking forward to uh, a full ski season <laughs> here. Yeah, definitely excited to hit up, hit up some peaks for the first time. Um, so just looking ahead to that, and obviously a lot of excited skiers and snowboarders just kind of ready to get things going. Um, I guess, do you have anything exciting planned, anything new for this year's ski season that maybe people haven't seen before that uh, you might want to you know, let people know is, is going to be happening? Well, one one of the things that I'm kind of pumped on is uh, is a new partnership that we have. So right now we're we're actually in the last week of our uh, fall seasons pass um, sale. So 
you can get a good deal on a season's pass um, right through Thanksgiving Monday here. So that's a big focus for us is uh, the the push on the season's pass sales. And we have a new addition with our season's pass this year. We've partnered um, with uh, Silver Star, which is uh, one of the competing mountains, but we also kind of align with them a little bit as well. And all season's pass holders from Sun Peaks can now ski two free days um, anytime during the season over at uh, Silver Star and vice versa. Um, the Silver Star people can come ski over here at, uh, at Sun Peak. So I think there's a couple of little you know, blackout dates around key holidays or things like that, but for the most part it's, it's all season long. So that's a good way for us to bring in some new traffic over here at Sun Peaks. Um, but most importantly, I think it's a really, really strong value add for um, our local pass holders in, in the Kamloops area that now they have um, another skiing option on top of all the great days up here at Sun Peaks. So that's something that, uh, that I'm personally pretty excited about, and I'm going to use my couple of days over at uh, Silver Star for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. I uh, I know a lot of people probably, you know, if they are getting a season's pass, they still might want to go check out some other places after skiing the same place for, you know, a number of days. It's always fun to, to try somewhere new. So that's pretty great that you guys are offering that opportunity to, to go somewhere else for at least a couple of days. Um, oh, absolutely. And we're, we're super spoiled in, in British Columbia, right, yeah, where we have sure. a number of the best ski destinations in the world. So you may as well get out and explore a little bit when you can. Yeah, I'm coming from Ontario, so I don't even know what I'm in for oh, here right oh. now. Oh, you're a lucky man. You're gonna have you're gonna have a good time out in BC. I think. All right, uh, I'll get you out of here on this one here, Aiden. So um, you guys had been working on uh, an 82 bed facility for uh, staff housing. Um, I guess you guys completed that uh, earlier this year. I guess just uh, how is that going to impact you guys for the upcoming winter? I know uh, 82 beds wasn't necessarily seen as enough, but it's definitely a good start. So can you maybe tell me about that project? It's now completed and just sort of what that's going to do for you guys here this upcoming year? Yeah, well, you 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 kind of nailed it, right? Like it's a great start, but it's not enough. Um, the 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 housing shortage and the situation is something that the tourism destinations all around the world are, are facing kind of head on right now, and it's uh, it's it's a tricky one, right? Um, it's it's a hard and complicated situation. It requires you know <clears throat> constant work and progress and and innovation that goes along with that to help address it. So, yeah, last year we made that significant investment, and it was about midway. Midway through the season, when we got that new uh, that new facility um, built and up and running, and that definitely has an impact for us this year. A just in terms of uh, available beds that uh, that that staff can can come in because we have no shortage of people that want to come and work here. A lot of people on holiday visas and they're using it as sort of like a paid vacation to have a great experience in the mountains of Canada and uh, and work along the way. So there's a lot of those folks that that want to come in and they want to provide a good level of service and have fun while they're here, but they need somewhere to stay, right? So um, so we built uh, we built that and uh, we're currently in plans for building more as well you know we're just nailing down um how we can structure it how it'll look um, locations all of that type of stuff and and we're hopeful that um that you know next summer we'll be working on more projects in terms of staff housing as well because we have a number of beds for for our staff now but there's more demand than there is supply and uh, we won't be able to build it all obviously there's other sort of community initiatives and things like that that will start ramping up here at Sun Peaks as well to try and address that need um, but it's really important you know you can't have a world-class destination without having a world-class team to uh, to deliver that experience 
Well, Aiden, thanks so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you taking the time. It was probably a little bit longer than you intended to stick around for, but I really appreciate it. A lot of good stuff to break down there. So uh, thanks so much. Yeah, all good. Happy to chat with you guys anytime. All right. Well, enjoy the rest of your Thursday. Thanks again. Yeah, you too. All right. That was Aiden Kelly, marketing director at Sun Peaks Resort. Coming up after the break, we're going to be talking a little bit more about flu shots. So stick around for that. Listening to Jeff Andreas on Radio NL 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. It is about that time of year when we start thinking about getting sick, and I admittedly haven't been feeling a little under the weather myself here recently, so it's just something that we all have to think about now as the weather begins to cool down and, uh, you know, we, we start worrying about more germs spreading. Of course, nobody wants to get the flu, and that's why healthcare professionals always promote the idea of getting an annual flu shot. Here to talk about that is Christina Gifford, pharmacist and owner of Kip Mallory Pharmacy. Christina, thanks so much for joining me. No problem. So, uh, not a lot of time here, but just to kind of end things off of uh, today's show, I mean, maybe just tell me a little bit about why you think it's really important for people to go about getting vaccinated and protecting themselves from the flu. Um, well, of course, you need to protect yourself. Um, so, if you can avoid getting the flu, um, I've told Paul this before, that it's kind of like getting hit by a truck and then having it run back over you. Um, you can get really, really ill um, from having influenza. So, of course, Protecting yourself is super important, but it's also protecting those around you. So people who are older, um, people who are immunocompromised, uh, young children, you may not get the flu, but you can pass it along to someone who's a little more susceptible and they can, they can get really ill. So it's really important to protect yourself, plus those, those people who are around you that uh, may be susceptible. Um, do you have any idea what this year's vaccine is looking like at this point in time? Or, or um, you know, do you have any idea what the effectiveness is potentially going to be right now? Have you, have you heard anything in that regard? Yeah, um, <laughs> we've heard a few things. Uh, I just read an article yesterday that um, there's a couple of strains in it that they're not 100% sure they've hit the mark on it. Um, however, um, just because it's not the exact strain that's circulating, it will still offer you some protection. So it's still important to get the flu shot, even though they may have missed the mark on, on one or two of the strains. Um, you're still going to get protection from it, and it will protect you from the strains that it did hit, bang on. Um, and then those that are a little bit not quite right, um, you're still going to get some protection. So you may get sick, but you're not going to get as sick. So it's still important to get it um, to, to protect yourself and, mm -hmm. and your and your buddies. Now, we here at NL had a, a flu shot clinic yesterday, um, mm -hmm. so it felt a little bit early for me. I guess, does it matter when people get the shot? Is there a certain time frame where it's more recommended than others? Um, it, it used to be, you know, um, November-ish is usually when we sort of encouraged it, but this year the flu season in Australia was really, really, really bad. Um, and so we tend to mimic what happens in Australia, in the Northern Hemisphere. So because theirs was so bad, um, they're really encouraging for people to get their flu shots earlier rather than later um, because it, it did start a little earlier in Australia this year than it normally did, and it was a lot worse than it normally was. So um, we're, we've, we've got the flu shots now, and, and most places should have their shots in as well. So it's, it's really important to get them as soon as you can. Yeah, well, it's definitely that time of year for us to start thinking about it. And, uh, yeah, you guys actually at Kit Mallory were the ones who came in and did our flu shot clinic here yesterday. So thanks so much yeah. for doing that. And uh, thanks so much problem. for joining me on the program. I really appreciate your time. 
Absolutely. Thank you so much. All right. Have a great day. Okay. You too. Awesome. That was Christina Gifford, pharmacist and owner of Kip Mallory Pharmacy. Well, that about wraps things up for me here today. I want to thank all my guests for joining me. And of course, one more time, a big thank you to all of you for listening. And remember, whether you joined me for a short while or a long while, just know I enjoyed our time while it lasted. I'll be back here tomorrow at 9.